Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The biggest breaking news stories. An outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Pleasure to have your company this morning on a, oh, I mean, let's face it, a fairly miserable Monday morning in uh, in January without many rights to do anything and nowhere to go and have fun. Um, I have to say, quick, quick shout out to my mum, who definitely won't be awake at this time uh, and certainly shouldn't be uh, at, at her age, uh, her birthday today. Another, yet another person celebrating a miserable lockdown birthday. What can we do? Uh, well, uh, hopefully someone who's going to cheer us up all this morning is Benjamin Butterworth. He's joining me all this morning. He's late editor at the iPaper. Good morning to you, Benjamin. <laughs> Feel the pressure. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. Um, are you yes, gonna... exactly. Well, oh. happy birthday to your mum as well. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. I shall pass it on. Um, I mean, there is some very much some cheery news in terms of vaccination rollout, isn't there? Because that is what everything right now is pinning on. Even people who are, you know, massively opposed to the second lockdown, things like they're they're in favour of this one on the basis we're rolling out the vaccine, we're getting it up. We're up to the two hundred thousand um, a day. Um, uh, target um, with two million vaccinations already given mass vaccination center seven of them open today this is all going to start ramping up the actual uh, number of people who get vaccinated this is this is we're told the route out of uh, of uh, wh- where we've been uh, does that give you cause for hope yeah, it gives me considerable cause for hope. And I think the government has set itself a target of having vaccinated all of the most vulnerable people, of which I think there's about 13 million by the middle of February. Now, given that that's for the first dose, and given that it takes about two weeks for that to kick in for the people who've had the vaccine, that means that hopefully we could have these restrictions eased by the start of March. Now, I think that may be a little optimistic, and certainly based on the last year, uh, it's better to expect the restrictions to be eased later rather than earlier. But I think that, you know, there is hope at this time. And unlike the first lockdown, you know, this one is is just as unpleasant in many ways. It's harder because these are dark, cold months and it's it feels a lot more lonely, at least for, for me. Yeah. But I think there is a hope that, that that's coming fairly soon and that we can do it. But there are lots of warnings from the government that people aren't following the rules because they know that this hope is coming. And of course, the fact that the people will be vaccinated in a month or two months or, you know, if you're young like me, five or six months time has no effect on whether you get the virus now. And so I think that is a dilemma for the government on whether people follow the rules. Yeah, absolutely. Look, absolutely. Get this very, very clear. People should follow the rules. I am following the rules. Everyone should follow the rules. The law is the law. Whether you agree with it or not, you should be following the rules. Um, I'm someone who's, you know, I had COVID last month. 
not. I tested positive for antibodies. I have still always followed the rules because, I mean, fr frankly, you have to follow the law anyway. And, and also, I think, frankly, as, as a matter of courtesy uh, to other people, that, that is the case as well. However, um, I think for a lot of people, I know a lot of people who listen to this show as well, who, who, who feel that they... Um, they are facing draconian measures which will not actually in the long run save lives. And there's an awful lot of evidence from around the world, numerous numerous reports published in uh, document, you know, in, in um, publications like The Lancet, uh, looking at actual evidence around the world, you know, 50 countries with lockdowns, that actually there is no evidence that lockdowns save lives in the long term. Yes, yes, of course, of course, infection rates go down when everyone's locked in their homes. And then when everyone comes out again, it goes up. Now, the key thing is, if you've got the vaccine, then that's a game changer. And I completely understand the people who feel that way. And certainly, you know, my family, I've got a number of elderly relatives, the late 70s, an aunt who was in a care home. We got her out of the care home because the care home has got six cases at the moment. We figured she's safer in sheltered accommodation uh, with uh, family members who are shielding themselves, looking after her. I mean, people, families around the country are having to make these sort of calculations right now to keep their loved ones safe. And I'm particularly worried about people over 70s or, or vulnerable. I've never, ever, ever this was anything other than a dangerous virus and always worked for my, my family to be safe and other people's families to be safe. But this optimism, and I see this from an awful lot of people who've been questioning government policy quite a lot over the last year, as I have, um, a lot of people seem to have an awful lot more hope that these restrictions are going to end sooner rather than later. Again and again and again, Boris Johnson, Chris Whitty, Patrick Vance, Ma Matt Hancock and others, they have been asked, so when everyone's vaccinated, those 13 million over 70s, which would account for 86% of deaths so far, which would suggest that our death rate should plummet, when they are all vaccinated mid-February and when a couple of weeks later they are you know they, they, they've got a you know good degree of cover around the sort of 90 percent amount of cover from the first dose at that point do restrictions end um, they've categorically said no that's not what happens um, they've said that that's when we can start to ease we are looking at lockdown until the end of March um, I mean way way longer that's what the emergency legislation goes to and then moving out gradually in local tiers Tier four, I mean, other than my child being allowed to go to school in tier four, tier four is pretty much lockdown. Um, tier three is, is is pretty much lockdown if you run a business that can't be open. Um, we are looking at these restrictions going on for many, many, many more months. I mean, you know, in law, the current law lasts until the 30th of March. And so if it were to go past then, MPs would have to vote for that. And, you know, I think what you saw with the lockdown in England in November is that there was a, a serious rebellion from Tory MPs that suggested that if the death rate isn't as high or as dangerous as it has been in the past two weeks, then maybe the you know Parliament might not vote for it to be extended beyond 30th of March. But look, I think, I think the, the Labour Party would. I, you're, we had a maximum of 55 rebels uh, from the, 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 the Tory side and, and some Democratic Unionists. I, 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 realistically, Keir Starmer is going to vote for or, or, or abstain at best uh, any more measures. I mean, they are literally... I mean, lockdown is his, now his middle name, for goodness sake. There is no way in the world that Keir Starmer is going to say, have anyone say you've got blood on your hands because one extra grandmother has died because there wasn't a lockdown. No way in the world. I mean, I think the, obviously the big problem with this virus and the situation that we're seeing right now is that the hospitals are overrun. It's already no, happened in no, London. No, no, that, no. Some hospitals are close to being overrun. Some hospitals in some areas. We need to... 
you know, we need to be honest about the, the facts. The huge numbers of hospitals around the country are not being overrun. I spoke to a chief executive of a hospital last week, a major, major hospital, who, who said to me, again, speaking off the record, no one will speak on the record and say this stuff because you basically lose your job, you lose your career, said to me, you know, he said thinks that a lot of, lot of this is alarmism. But, you know, he said it wasn't in London. And, and, and again, even in some London hospitals, a hospital near me hasn't cancelled any elective surgery even. That is not even a normal winter crisis. Other hospitals facing huge, huge, huge pressures because of the, vac- uh, the, the, the cases in their area. This is a very, very mixed picture. But the risk is, you know, London is overrun and there are no, hospitals it's not, no, with... No, not all hospitals in London are anything remotely above normal capacity. Honestly, the, the doc, these, these are official, official figures. Some hospitals are absolutely at, you know, at breaking point. Absolutely. Some hospitals are not. It depends which area. But look... Uh, Okay, but but how did those London hospitals that are currently overrun get in that situation? Well, it's because it's a virus that spreads exponentially, given the chance. And so when we see some of our hospitals being overrun, should that not tell us that we risk it spreading faster and among, you know, people who are more vulnerable, putting more hospitals at risk? And that's why we have to put precautions in place before it gets to all of the hospitals. Because when that happens, then, you know, if you fall down your stairs or have a heart attack, then you might not get seen emergency urgently and that's the risk that we want to avoid except we never that, saw that but we never saw that even in the first wave did we back in march and april we never saw no, but people... this is worse than the first wave no 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 it's 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 not i'm sorry that that's a simple matter of fact in terms of the numbers the cases yes well, we weren't testing anybody in the first wave it wasn't possible i was i was ill with covid and couldn't get a test um you know, there there is this is a simple matter of categorical fact that, that it is not worse than the first wave in terms of the number but, of people who are actually going into hospital and the number of people who are dying. It is not. But but we had the worst death risk figures recorded in 24-hour period on Friday. No. There no, are hospitals no, no, with I'm 30, sorry, 50% I've... more patients. No, OK. A, the hospitals have got more patients anyway because it's winter. Um, and every winter we have more people in hospital, whereas April is a time when you would expect there to be very few people, more few people in hospital because of the season. There is a simple seasonal effect every single time. We have cut bed capacity. Uh, I, keep, I keep hearing between 7,000 and 10,000 beds in total have been cut uh, in the NHS because of uh, social distancing. And we've actually increased ICU capacity. Again, all things, uh, those increasing capacity, very, very sensible. Um, but the, the point is, when we saw those figures, over 1,000 deaths reported, they were catch-up figures from we had... We had two bank holidays in one week in terms of the, the reporting, in terms of Christmas and New Year. So that was very, very, very distorted. We will continue to see deaths going up, as you would in any winter. There is also the fact that we do actually have a virus, an endemic virus. I mean, it's an, I mean, people like me weren't saying, oh, the virus has gone away. We were saying this is an endemic virus. We need to learn to live with it. It's going to be here every single year. I mean, thankfully, the vaccine is here, but... But we are not we are not seeing more deaths per day than we were seeing during the the, the first wave. Nothing like it. Well, I mean, look, the coming days are going to pan that out. And the truth is that the 1,300 deaths that were recorded on Friday, whether that was affected, well, it almost certainly was affected by the bank holidays over Christmas in terms of recording. At the same time, the easing of restrictions in much of the country that applied at Christmas, which will likely have spread the virus and caused deaths, hasn't yet kicked in because many of those people won't have yet sadly died who may have got it over you that period. The easing and of so restrictions? I, I think the numbers could go up. I mean, my, I know, I mean, look, I was very lucky 
Exactly. I was away on holiday, um, as were some other rather prominent people who were saying that everyone should really suck, <laughs> suck charisma. We'll talk about that at some point. Um, but but I, um, I mean, my family, I know, you know, for a fact, because they were all sort of sitting, Zooming each other. They all, they all literally sat and ate. So we were all the same at the same time and we'll all Zoom each other. People were not even, you know, household bubbles weren't even mixing at all. I mean, I, I don't know anybody who wasn't obeying the rules. Where, where, where were all these wild yeah, but- parties that everyone was bloody spreading the virus during? I mean, look, I'm sure some people didn't obey the rules and some people might have done that with, you know, pretty deep emotional reasons, given it was Christmas. But the fact is that in much of the country, you could mix between households on Christmas Day. The rules were eased. Obviously, you couldn't do that in London, which is where where I live and where maybe I don't know where your family live. But there were parts of the country where that could happen and there will be a consequence to it. Uh, But the, the question you asked at the start of this was about the easing of restrictions. And I do think that it is the numbers in hospital and the death rate that should indicate whether we ease that. And if this vaccine has kicked in for 13 million most vulnerable people, then I would say that is a reason for them not to continue as they are beyond the 30th of March. Okay, and and when they don't release the restrictions significantly after the end of March, well, again, it shouldn't be the end of March, should it? It should be two weeks after the mid-February, so it should be the end of February. When they don't, at that point, will you say enough is enough? Yes, because, you know, the virus, obviously, for most people, you've had it. I'm not aware I've had it, uh, is like the flu. And you no, know, that's well, fine. Okay. Again, I'm, I've, but, I have to. No, no, I, I just I am required under Ofcom rules to point out that you know, for a lot of people, it will feel just like the flu or feel like a bad cough. But it does actually have a higher death rate, certainly for over 70s. And for other people, it does have a higher death rate. I, need, I do need to yeah. point that out. Well, I did. Sorry, forgive yeah. me. I did say for most people, mm. uh, it's like the flu, and therefore, because lots of people, uh, it will not have a, a serious detrimental effect on them. Once you've cut out the people who are going to die, which yeah. is what the vaccine should do, then I think that's a reason to ease the restrictions. But the big question about the vaccine is, does it stop transmission? And we don't yet know that, and that will have a big effect on what we can do. Because if it stops it being spread from one person to another for people who have been vaccinated, then we're going to see numbers collapse because it will no longer be spreading among a big section of the population. And I think that will make it a lot easier for the government. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.